It's too early to identify lessons from Russia's illegitimate and unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. It does seem, however, that predictions of the demise of conventional warfare were premature, if not wrong. This includes premature predictions about the fading importance of the law of war. And that is the subject of this episode of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. Welcome to The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. I'm Chris Mayer, a retired U.S. Army Cavalry officer, and this series introduces basic and unchanging concepts of war for everyone. Unfortunately, the war in Ukraine provides examples of these concepts in action. Moscow's most recent invasion of Ukraine is, perhaps, the ultimate refutation of the end of history predicted by Francis Fukuyama and other political theorists upon the fall of the Soviet Union 30 years ago. It also disproves other popular assertions of the last 20 years. These include notions that conventional war is dead, tank warfare is obsolete, the demise of the nation-state system, and the irrelevance of the laws and customs of war. Of these, consistency with law of war principles is critical to establishing and maintaining legitimacy to the international community and a nation's own citizens. It also directly impacts the prospects for post-conflict peace. The law of war should be an overarching concern about whether a nation goes to war, and once that decision is made, how it conducts the war. By the way, if you like these podcasts and you think others should hear them too, please hit the like button. That will make sure that more people have the opportunity to listen. Anyone who has ever watched a movie about World War II has at least heard about the Geneva Conventions. Usually, the theme is Germans trying to get around them, the Japanese ignoring them, or the U.S. and Britain being concerned about them. But the laws of war are much more than just the Geneva Conventions. They consist of a body of treaties, the purpose of which is, as Napoleonic General Antoine-Henri Jomini wrote, to restrain the destructive force of war while recognizing its inexorable necessities. Acts that are ordinarily criminal in nature are necessary in war. These acts include deliberate killing, assault, destruction or forced appropriation of property, and deprivation of liberty. Over the past two millennia, customs developed among armies and governments in that order to regulate and limit that destruction based on the idea of justice in going to war, the Latin jus ad bellum, and justice in the prosecution of war, the Latin jus in bello. These customs were enforced through concepts of retaliation, courts of chivalry, and intervention by religious authorities, each with varying levels of consistency and effectiveness. In the last two centuries, these customs became codified in international law, known variously as the law of war, the laws and customs of war, the law of armed conflict, and more recently, international humanitarian law. There are two sides to these laws. The first, as I already said, is limiting the means and methods of destruction of war. The second legitimizes violence in war. The proper balance of license and accountability facilitates the rapid conduct of a war and its conclusion, leading to the only permissible outcome of war, that of a more just peace. Concerns about the relevance of such laws are almost as old as its very first treaties. In 1880, German Chief of General Staff Helmut von Moltke, who I talked about in a previous podcast, praised the intent of the law of war while doubting any ability to enforce it. At the beginning of the Second World War, there were assertions in the United States and other Western countries that part or all of the existing laws and customs of war had either been abandoned 
or only applied where they didn't interfere with the effective pursuit of the war. The Nuremberg and Tokyo trials at the end of the war made it clear, however, that the armed forces and their civilian leaders remained accountable to the law of war. The revised Geneva Conventions in 1949 reinforced the concept of continued applicability and accountability. The subsequent additional protocols to the Geneva Conventions attempted to adapt the laws of war to changing international circumstances. In this new millennium, however, politicians and academics renewed the claim that the law of war was designed for state-on-state warfare and is outdated and irrelevant to the battlefields of the 21st century. One popular military author maintains that the laws of war will fade from memory with the death of conventional warfare. Unfortunately, the war in Ukraine has proved that the death of conventional warfare is greatly exaggerated, along with the continuing importance of the law of war, both in the law regarding going to war and the law about the conduct of war. Even Russia maintains to the world and its own people that its war is just in both initiation and practice. Now, this sounds incredible given reports that Russia seems to deliberately violate the laws and customs of war on a daily basis. So why do they even bother to claim justice in cause and execution? The reason is legitimacy. No nation exists in isolation. Legitimacy is important. And a war perceived as illegitimate can still have serious adverse consequences for the country fighting an unjust war with unjust means. The string of economic sanctions against Russia is only one example of what can happen when the international community perceives a war as illegitimate. Additionally, as our own experience in Vietnam and Afghanistan has shown, the war must also be perceived as legitimate by that country's own people. This is even true in states that do not have the same degree of political freedoms as we have in the United States. Hence, Russia invents what it hopes other countries and their own people will accept as a just cause for the invasion and denies any allegation of war crimes by their troops. Hence also, the government of Ukraine calls out alleged war crimes while making an effort to show that they follow the law of war themselves. Apart from the effort for legitimacy, there are practical reasons for adhering to the law of war. According to the Department of Defense Law of War Manual, the primary purposes of the law of war include the preservation of the professionalism and humanity of combatants and facilitating the restoration of peace. These two ideas are tied. Both sides of this equation require competent and disciplined military forces. Von Moltke emphasized this in his remarks on the law of war. To allow the use of unrestrained violence beyond military necessity and by nature inhumane will also erode respect for military discipline and erode the combat effectiveness of those forces. Similarly, undisciplined or poorly disciplined soldiers are more likely to cross the line between violence legitimized by the law of war and wanton death and destruction. Perhaps we can see this dual breakdown in the Russian forces in Ukraine. Just as important, criminal actions, including war crimes and crimes against humanity, will generate hatred and a spirit of revenge among the Ukrainian people, which will certainly harm any prospects for a just and lasting peace. So, what should the West and the rest of the international community do about this? Well, first, we must continue to call out that Russia's invasion of Ukraine violated the law of war from its very inception. 
Every Twitter post by the United Kingdom Ministry of Defense does just that, leading each of their updates on Ukraine with, quote, the illegal and unprovoked invasion of Ukraine is continuing, unquote. Reports by U.S. and other NATO member defense and state or foreign affairs departments should do the same. Maintaining awareness that the invasion is illegal and therefore subject to appropriate action under international law. Consistent with that, we should support Ukraine in not accepting any conflict resolution that rewards Russia for its illegal invasion and the attempt to change international borders by force of arms. Next, we must report all credible allegations of war crimes by both sides and encourage Ukraine to publicize actions they are taking to hold their own military personnel accountable under the military justice system of Ukraine. Now, no nation or military establishment is perfect, but the pursuit of peace is not helped by denying your own imperfections. Then, prepare for peace and accountability. We must work together to document allegations of grave breaches of the law of war and prepare for post-conflict trials. Such trials may be by national courts or an international court of justice established for that purpose. Past models indicate that using a combination of national and international tribunals may be the most efficient. These actions are necessary to make any peace a just peace. Without that justice, or rather a peace that's perceived as unjust, will only be a temporary pause in fighting, a preparation for the next war. Like other predictions about future warfare, the demise of the law of war is incorrect, while recognizing that compliance with the law of war has always been, and will continue to be, imperfect. The importance of the law of war has ebbed and flowed with the authority of nation-states and the importance of custom. It depends on the sense of justice within the state's using force, among the citizens of that state, and among the community of nations. After a period of dormancy, that sense is reawakening. A just and lasting peace depends on it. Once again, if you like this or any other podcast in this series, please hit the like button and join me for the next episode of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. <laughs>